Have you found yourself settling in your life, not thriving? You got sober and you've been going down this path and suddenly you're like, oh, this is it? This is my life? This is what I got sober for? Yeah, this is a common theme. Good news for you is that you've tuned in to Recover Like a Mother, and my name is Lane Kennedy. I help women in recovery access the life they imagined through a practice of mindfulness. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into the show. Hello, my name is Katrina Lelly, and you are listening to Recover Like a Mother. Welcome back, Mama. How are you today? Another episode, another guest talking about sobriety. So I've been thinking a lot about how I come into connection and collaboration with my guest. And a lot of them I know from the years of recovery I have, but then I have this whole new world that is opened up since the pandemic. And this world, I hate, I hate here it goes, Instagram, Clubhouse. There's, there's a sober movement happening that is so robust. It's incredible. And so I met Katrina through these channels. I'm really excited to have her on the show. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here and so grateful for the amazing platforms that provide that space for us to connect on such a beautiful and fun level. Yeah, it's really changed. I know you've been sober for a while. Uh, what's your sober date? May 8th, 2010. Boom. So 11 years. Yes. Yeah, about yeah. right there. And I don't think back then it was like this. It is like it is today, right? There's no. so many people like talking, like getting sober out loud. Yeah. I almost feel like I've been under a rock a little bit. Yes. Like I am blown away by the amount of women who are and men who are recovering out loud. And there are things that I'm learning about myself just because there's so much more information being put out there. And so I do, I feel like I've been living under a rock at times. Yes, me too. It's so funny. <laughs> you know, I made this decision in the pandemic to like come out and it was a really big thing for me. And it was very, I was a little scared at first. And then I thought, you know what? My primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics mm. and save lives. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm a mom. <laughs> yeah. I, like I have a husband, but if I get down to basics, my primary purpose is to help a woman get sober because I really believe that women are the ones who have the opportunity to change the world. Oh, a thousand percent S sober, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. Sober women, sober moms in particular, in particular. So your mom in recovery, how many kids do you have? I have four kids. That's a lot of kids, Katrina. Yes. And you're young. Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you had them all in sobriety or before? No. So my oldest is actually my stepdaughter who she is 15, but I came into her life very early on. I came into her life when she was nine months old. And so I've been a part of that this whole time. And then my twins, boy, girl twins are 12 years old and they were 18 months old when I went into treatment for 28 days and got sober then. And then now I have a two and a half year old and I've experienced his entire life, pregnancy, all of it completely sober, which has been amazing. 
That is amazing. So they've all, they were really young. So they didn't really have the episodes perhaps of you being drunk. Yeah. They don't remember mom. They don't. Okay. They don't remember mom drunk. Thank God, because they were witness to much of it, but they don't remember it. Yeah. I know that that's not typical. You know, a lot of women, their kids see them drunk, see them really messy and it's really hard and challenging, but that doesn't stop sobriety. No, it allows it. And they've seen the messy. We've grown together for sure, but they haven't had to witness how bad it can really get. You know, they've, my, my twins have definitely grown with me and I've learned all about being a mom and sobriety. So we've been through it. (laughs) That's it right there, right? You, you learn in sobriety, how to be a real authentic in the present moment, mother, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of drinking, (laughs) Jesus, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine? No. Oh gosh. No, no, no. I would not. No, no, no. I would not be functioning. I would not be functioning. I would, I could not imagine being drunk in a time like this through my kids' life. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how moms who are out there still doing it, do it. Yeah. It's really, it's very scary for me to think about that. That's what keeps me away from drinking. Honestly, is like, I would lose everything. But before we get any further, I want to know what brought you to sobriety. Were you a daily drinker? Were you one of those like, yeah, have some, put it away. What was your drinking style? Towards by the end there, I was definitely a daily drinker. I promised myself every morning that this was going to be the last day or not today. And I would find myself at the liquor store buying vodka was my choice at that time. I went through all kinds of alcohol, different choices you know, like they say, we, we try different things to control our drinking. And I was a daily drinker. I couldn't not, not drink. And there were so many mornings I would wake up because my kids were little, my twins were little. I would wake up and promise myself this was it, but I'd be so hungover from the day before, like I could barely function. So I'd make sure they were fed. And then I would put them in their bedroom and I'd put up one of those baby gates at the door. And then I'd go in their bedroom and I'd lay down and I would pass out. And let them play. I knew they were safe. In my mind, they were safe, quote unquote, you know, and that was a repeat. And then I, until I could wake up and function and go to the liquor store to get more alcohol because I was shaking and I needed it. Okay. I'm just having the visual of the baby gate. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah. I think in the pandemic, I mean, this last year, I am sure that kids were put in closets. I mean, I hate to say this, but I am absolutely sure. Like if people drank, like I drank, mm-hmm. Those kids had to go away. I I just so relate to that, that drinking. Yeah. Even today, I mean, my child is he's 11, and I'm still sometimes like, go. Yes. <laughs> I feel that so much. I am too. I'm like, just go. And I mean, I there were t- when my husband got home from work, there were so many times back then that I'd be like, Oh, I gotta go to the grocery store, and I would leave and I wouldn't sh- I wouldn't come home for hours. So I was like, okay, I gotta go. You know, that's when, that's when it really, like I would drink throughout the day, but I would do, I would do everything I could not to actually have to really be mom at that time. It really is this awakening when we finally do get sober. Is your husband sober or is he a normal guy? He is a normal guy. He, he rarely drinks though. It's just not part of our lifestyle. And, but yeah, he's, he's a normal guy as normal as, as normal as you can uh, make him, you know? (laughs) So I bet you he appreciates your sobriety now. He does now. It took some time. It took some time for him to 
because he was still angry even after I got sober. I got to go away on a vacation in his mind. I got to go on a way of vacation when I was in treatment. We know it's not vacation <laughs> at all, but he had, he ended up having to go join our sister program of Al-Anon and went and did his own work. He definitely appreciates the sobriety now for sure. So you're sober 11 years and early recovery was probably hard with the babies. I'm imagining. It was pretty hard. It, it actually it wasn't too difficult because I had a lot of support around me. My husband's family, they were all very close. His grandma lived next door. His mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was over often. They really did everything they could to help me and support me. So I got to go do my meetings when I needed to do meetings. I've had that love and support. My mother-in-law is a huge reason of why I'm sober today. She took me to my first women's meeting. Now she told me we were going to get a burger and we were not going to get a burger. She took me to that women's meeting and I didn't get sober right away, but that was like the first initial dip in that I needed to eventually go to treatment. Not too long after that. Is she sober? She is not, but she's not, she's a normal person. She's a normie. Okay. Yeah. I'm always fascinated when people, you know, family, friends, they take that person to recovery and they're not sober. Like, how did you know about that? I didn't even know about Alcoholics Anonymous. It was yeah. not on my radar at all. So I'm always like, wow, that's, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my brother-in-law, there's other family members that they know who have bit gotten sober and who have experienced uh, the program of AA. And my brother-in-law had, he had been in it a couple of times himself, but he didn't actually get sober until I got sober. So she knew of it for sure. That's wonderful. So the first year you had, or the first little while you had some support, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. A lot of people don't have that. And I love that you had that support. I find also that there's support from the women's meetings, right? The single moms that I know they get into a women's meeting and then all of a sudden they're just surrounded by all types of women, all different ages, taking care of babies, babysitting kids, dropping off at school. That is one of the things that's really unique about belonging to a 12-step program, mm -hmm. that there is this really beautiful fellowship that just gets built around somebody. And I know there's a lot of people who don't like 12-step programs. Where do you sit on that? For a really long time, I was because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any other way that it's got to be AA. I mean, you've got to do your meetings and you've got to do this thing for life. Now I'm more in the middle. Like I understand it's not for everybody. Do I think it's an incredibly valuable tool and anybody could get sober through that kind of recovery program? Absolutely. I think you have to find what works for you, but if you're not actively doing work on yourself, I think for sure you're going to you're, you're more prone to go back out. You're more prone to have that relapse. So you, so you can't just, I don't understand the people who just get sober and they don't do anything. They don't do any sort of work. They don't do any counseling or outside programs or anything. I kind of wonder, well, were you a really an alcoholic? Cause the alcoholics I know they've got some stuff to work through. So I'm kind of in the middle there. Yeah. Alcoholism is a mental illness. We know that it's proven and that question right there. Are you sure you're an alcoholic, right? If you don't go take care of it through some kind of channel, you will drink again. Yeah. You will relapse. I was in a conversation recently 
uh, about complacency and not sober through a program, just decided to get sober, you know, just decided after a cleanse to get sober. And I was like, what? And again, I love that because I love all of the pathways that have popped up right now and all the different ways to get sober. And there is work to do, but there is something, and I hear this all the time, and I am not pushing Alcoholics Anonymous. I am not pushing that at all, but there is something about the happiness or freedom that comes about from this, this work that we do through the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Are you working a 12 step program? Yes. I am always actively working a 12 step program. I have been through the steps of several times with sponsors and now it's become a part of my daily life. It's a part of who I am. And I have a sponsor that I still check in with and I call, I attend meetings, not as often as I used to in person for obvious reasons, but I'm still plugged in and still actively working that program. And what do you say to our mama who's out there on the fence about that? She's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. What, what do you tell her? Take a quick inventory of your life right now. How are you feeling about how things are going? Are you happy? Are you joyous? Are you free? Are you excited about your life? Are you irritable, discontent, angry, hungry, lonely, all the things that we know? Like, take that inventory of your life. And if you're not living in that space where you are happy and joyous and grateful and, you know, not every day are we going to wake up like that. No, but I'm like, really take a look at that. There's your answer. Is there more work to do? It doesn't have to be through the AA program, but maybe it's through a coach or a program or through some other, some other avenue, but then there's more work for you to do. I think that's where people get stuck. They don't realize it. They just think I put down the drink and everything's going to change, but there is that mental illness that still is ticking away. That's still kind of deteriorating the emotional wellness of somebody. So you got into coaching. Yes. 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 And you love it. I love coaching. I love watching the lights turn on. I love watching women step into their full power. Was that an easy transition for you? I don't know what you were doing before. What were you doing before? Yeah, it it was absolutely an easy transition. Like I've always known I was meant to serve in a bigger way in my higher power, God's purpose. And before I've, I've had several different jobs, lots of different jobs in different positions. And I, three years sober, my husband and I, I knew I needed something more. And so at that three-year mark, our friend, a friend of mine who was a sponsor, she had found this personal development program and she was doing that and introduced it to us. And I went and I was like, okay, this is where, what I'm seeking. And so there it was more work to be done in a different way. But, and honestly, when I've gone through these things, I'm like, oh, you guys know this too. Cause I learned that in the 12 steps. Like, you mean, this is a, this is a regular, like everybody knows about this. I mean, not everybody, but you know, I was baffled by that. Cause I thought it was like some secret just of the AA program, but it was at that time I went through these programs and in the midst of one of the seminars, I went up to the facilitators and I said, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to help people. I'm called to step in and help them transform their lives in this, in this beautiful way. I don't know exactly what that looks like at the time. It was my intention to be a facilitator for their company, but I took their, I ended up taking their certification, their certification program for life coaching. Didn't yet feel equipped to go and coach 
And then it wasn't until 2019 when I had been working with another coach who she's not in the sober space, but she's somebody I, I followed and I took her, her coaching certification program and I, and I knew I was ready. I knew I was ready. And so that, that's when I stepped into this space. There's a fine line in the sober world or in the program world, like there's that sponsor. And when people become a coach, a lot of questions come up, like, well, why are you paying for what was given to you? And I've often had to say, there is so much more to do. There is so much more work there that yes, we have these universal principles that the 12 steps are, but when you can go underneath those principles with a coach, oh, the change is incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. What were some of the biggest changes that occurred for you personally? Definitely the, the be- getting down to the root cause of the belief in myself and my self-worth, getting down to the root cause, understanding inner child work and where these things were really coming from is what moved me forward. And I also didn't buy just the coach. I bought the community, like the women who were doing the things that I wanted to do. And there's an accountability piece there too, that we don't necessarily get with sponsors. You know, there's just a different level of energy and, and sponsors are important. They're amazing. It's absolutely crucial to recovery, but there's just a different energy match and getting, we're willing to go a little bit deeper and we have some different tools to go a little bit deeper. And you paid for it. Yes. Yeah. There's something about when you pay, it changes the dynamics. Thousand percent. It's really interesting. I have a coach that I work with and I pay him. I pay him and I am there. I I get there early. I do things that he asks. Right. And I always thought, oh, I don't really need a coach. I don't, I can just be a part of my mastermind. You know, I'm thinking in the business world, I've never had a sober coach, but I think it's fascinating because it really, it, there is something about being accountable when dollars are in, involved. It yeah. just is. Yeah. Well, we don't want to lose out because we paid for this. Right. And so it better work for us. Like that's kind of the mentality you come in with. Like it better work out. You've got skin in the game. So you're more willing to show up for that. Not everybody. It's baffling to me how, but still, I think the people who are really ready, like they know they've got skin in the game and they're ready to show up in a different light. And I think what you said about you've done many things. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other many things? I, this is a common, like alcoholics are so clever. We can figure stuff out. Out, you know, <laughs> we can just make it happen. And women, yes, come on, right. So, what are some of the other things that you've explored? Oh gosh, yeah. So i've 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 been in network marketing. I'm still in network marketing. It just looks a little different now. I okay. Do you um, love it? I freaking love this new. It's social retail. It's different. I freaking love it more than network marketing. People are going to say it's not different, but it is. Trust me. It's different. What's the difference? I, don't, I have no idea. This With this company that I'm with, I get to earn on two different sides. I have a customer side that I earn amazing money from, and I can build a team and earn that way, but I don't have to do both. I'm not forced to build a team and I'm not in the DMS going, Hey girl, how are you? It's been 27,000 years, but I've got some really great products. Like it's attraction rather than promotion. Well, it's promotion too, but it's attraction. You know, I, it's, I don't feel the pressure like you do in network marketing. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, so you did some some of that. What else have you done? I've joined, I've been a part of a, another personal development company that I took, went through all of their courses. It was like you had to take one to get to the next level type of thing. Read many books, listened to many a podcasts. I've tried just going it on my own. I've done also other programs. Al-Anon, I'm recently diving into some adult child stuff and... I think, what are some other things I've done? Like, I know there's a couple of other, like uh, counselors. I've been to counselors. I've been to therapists. I've, you know, I've tried a lot of different things. <laughs> Nothing has matched coaching for me. Right. That, that's, there are so many things that we are able to do once we get sober. Yeah. Right. The world opens up completely. It does. I remember when I first, maybe the first five years, like all kinds of different opportunities started showing up. And I was like, what is going on here? Those opportunities were never there before, right? I was like, do the same thing every day, drive to my appointment, go to my agent every day. I was like a drone, couldn't stand it. And now like the world is our oyster, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as sober moms. As a mother, your kids, you said they've grown with you and evolved with you over the years. What are the challenges that you're facing now with them? I honestly am still working on that nurturing piece because I am very strong in probably what most people would call my masculine energy more so than my feminine, but I'm very strong in the task oriented. Let's get stuff done. And so I challenged in that nurturing, taking a few extra moments to hug them. I hug and snuggle my kids all the time. Like that's just, I love it, but really like being present and being with them and hearing them is one thing that I'm struggling with. I'm just dropping in right here to remind you that you deserve to live an epic and amazing life. And if you're not, I want to be the one to support you in overcoming your burnout, eliminating your perfectionism, and any of those ruminating thoughts that keep you away from the life that you want to be living. Check out my eight-week program, Mindful Safeguard, over at recover like a mother.com forward slash mindful. Thanks again for listening. And let's get back into the episode. And I have a daughter who my son is he's mama's boy. He's he's amazing. He also knows how to use that too to his advantage. And he's got the most beautiful eyes and smile. And so he knows how to use that stuff. But I my daughter is she is a wise old soul and she cares so much about people and she's so creative and artistic and she has a huge heart. And so I'm navigating how to help her with all of those emotions because her emotions are more outright than my son's are. And it's just interesting because I feel like I'm suddenly in a whole new world, like up until probably age 10 ish. Like I, okay, I've been doing that. I can kind of figure this out. Now I feel like I'm stepping into like level 10 of Jumanji or something. And I'm like, oh Lord, can you, can we restart? Can we restart the game? Because it is a different territory. They're, 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 their own, they're coming into their own people in their own minds. And so that, and of course the basics, my son wants to play video games all day and go to the skate park. And you know, how, how do you balance that? And is it really terrible for him? Is it not so terrible for him? You know, my daughter is very social and for a long time there, that was difficult when we couldn't be as social as we wanted to. She's learning to navigate friendships 
and that it's okay to have more than just one friend or one best friend. So that's difficult because that was not always easy for me as a kid. So we're both learning together when it comes to that. It's so hard. It's so hard being present in this world that we live in right now. There's so many demands on mothers mm-hmm. and it's, it's just constant. So what are you creating right now with your kids? What would you say that you're creating? Bringing more adventure and more fun into our lives. Like truly just. How are you doing that though? How are you doing it? We, like, let's give our listeners some yeah. tips here on this, because I think this is a common like challenge that mothers face. Mm-hmm. So let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're, we're prone to isolation. We're prone to stay home. And this last year has not helped that, that those of us who are isolators, like getting back into that. And so getting out of the house, going on, finding a new trail, cause we're in a beautiful area where we can go hiking. So go hiking. We have a trailer and we're actually getting a truck to a better truck to tow the trailer. So more camping adventures. I know that's not possible for everybody, but finding those things, getting outside though, most importantly, playing board games, playing, we, Skippo is a fun one between my daughter and I, or we love that. So getting more creative, even coloring, like this, I kind of do more so for myself, but coloring, like my littlest guy, he's two and a half. So more coloring. I'm not a big crafty person. Cause like, it just seems like a lot, but my daughter is. And so I just support her in that. Like I help her get the items that she needs. I don't necessarily get involved with the crafts, but I'm supporting her in that way. And we just, we, we laugh, like we dance a lot. Dance, dance parties in our house are huge. My kids don't always like to participate, but you know, I start doing it. And then all of a sudden I catch my son doing it. And then, you know, sometimes I try to get him in on the stories with me and then he hides, but you know, just getting movement, getting outside, looking for adventure, And I'm committed to at least one day a week, probably two days a week where I don't work. I'm not going to work. I'm going to be with my kids and and do something with them and create that adventure, especially since it's starting to get nicer out. We can go do more outside things. I love that. It sounds like one of your values is playfulness. Yes, very much so. Yeah. One of mine as well. What are you, what are you excited about right now? I mean, we're opening up in the pandemic, so what, what's got you really on fire? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just excited that personally to be getting back outside and going on camping adventures and creating those memories with family. I love being outside as it is. And just being in the mountains is one of the, the things. So I'm really, on, I'm really excited about that personally. And I'm also excited about, you know, this world that I'm navigating in business and actually you know, creating this coaching business. I've been coaching women for the last year, but really making it my own and what is, and and being able to call in the women who are meant to work with me and be in my space. That's exciting to me because I love watching the lights return on or get brighter in another woman's eyes. That is it. Amen, sister. What's your perfect day? Oh gosh. Let's see. My perfect day is being woken up when I want to wake up. Well, what time do you wake up now? <laughs> well, now I uh, actually I'm I sleep in because my toddler is usually in, comes into bed with me. So we're we're in bed till seven, sometimes eight o'clock. It depends on the day, and I'm good with that. That's my beauty because his little feet are on my back, or he's got his little arm around me, and um, or we're just snuggled up together. So that's my perfect morning waking up. 
And then turning on the music and dancing and having that dance time in the morning, getting a workout in, I've got so much energy built up and expending that energy is good for me. And, and then getting outside in some way, whether that's going for a walk around my neighborhood because it's beautiful and there's lots of trees, or if we go head up a few minutes up the road to the mountain, doing that and having sushi, for sure sushi, you know, and lots of laughing. I mean, as long as there's lots of laughing and love, like I, I could be doing anything. When you were drinking and using, was there a lot of laughing? No, no, there, I remember being in treatment and I was, I don't know, I was probably halfway through treatment, something like that, sitting around in a group of, with some new friends that I had made. And I remember laughing and I stopped and I just started crying because I was like, I don't remember the last time I actually laughed, like truly laughed. There was some of it for sure in drinking, but it was never genuine. It was never real. It was masked for sure. So true. Yeah. There are so many times now, like I have this new puppy, right? And I'm in the backyard with him and I just start laughing and it (laughs) feels so good. Laughter is a regular part of my day. And that wasn't when I was drinking and using, there was no, everything was so serious, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like everything was the hustle. Everything was about making money. Everything was about being on time. I was very rigid. And now it's, there's like laughter. I'm flexible. My, my husband might not say that, but, like, <laughs> but there's been a shift, right? There's been a shift in my perception about how things are. So what would be one of the biggest shifts in your perception? I would say that I have more love and compassion for people in general than I ever did. And when I say that, I think of my own mom, who's still an active alcoholic and I can love her today as she is for who she is. I don't always like it and I can understand that. And so having that compassion and love for people who, especially for people who are out there still suffering, because for a long time I battled it. I had lots of family who's still in active addiction. And I was like, why you, don't you see me? Don't you get it? Like, you know, you know what it could be like, but I, you know, I've just been able to shift that and just love no matter whether they're an active addiction or not, but just to love people and understand it's not about me. You know, it's not about me. That's a really big shift. Mm -hmm. And the faster that somebody in sobriety can get that, the better their life is going to be. Yeah. Right. It is not about me. It is not about me. Like as an alcoholic though, everything's about me. Yeah. Right. That thinking is so limited. And so I, that's a great, that's a big, huge shift. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your biggest struggle these days? What do you, yeah. What are you struggling with or what's your biggest fear? Let's go there. Oh, (laughs) well, my biggest fear is that I'm always going to be the almost girl. Being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart doing this online business is not for the faint of heart. And I know what I can do, but I question myself and I start listening to other people. And when I'm listening to other people, I am not in my divine purpose that I know that God has created me to be. And so I'm, I'm always like, am I always going to be the almost girl almost had the business almost created the, the impact that she wanted almost had the finances that she wanted even though I have a really beautiful life, I have so much to be grateful for. I get caught up in all of that stuff. And that's where my struggle is, is being present in the now. 
like truly being present in the now. I have found other ways to kind of be in escape to now. It's not alcohol, it's TV, or it's comparing myself on social media, you know, or overthinking, you know, those are the ways to do it. And so that's, that's probably my, my biggest fear right now. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting as the conversation has evolved over the last couple of minutes or whatever, like there's been a shift. There was a shift in you Mm. and I felt it. So that's why I asked the question. (laughs) I think that's brilliant that you're like coming to terms with that or admitting it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be that. And that is, that's where things start to change and ignite. So what are you doing to not be the almost girl? I have, this is where I have coaches in place. I have a business coach. I have another personal coach who also helps with business, but really is helping me get to that next layer of healing and that deeper understanding and having those people in place because I know that I'm more willing on most days to still show up for somebody else than myself. And so they're helping me learn how to show up for myself. But I'm also, I'm very active. I'm doing a lot. I have a podcast. I have a a Facebook group for sober moms. I have, I'm posting, I'm showing up for myself. And I, you know, there are years ago, even in sobriety where I could say, I'm not showing up for myself. You know, I, I'm not, and I, and I do. So I'm, I am actively working towards that every day. It's a matter of me, like recognizing all the things I'm actually doing. So there is a shift, right? There is something that happens where we kind of just get sick and tired. Mm-hmm. We're just like, I, I have to show up. I have to do it differently. Yeah. Is that where you were at? It's that for sure. And it's the shift in thinking that it has to be so stinking hard because I was, I learned from both my parents, you have to work really hard to get what you want. And that's still something that they, so I, the shift is really in learning how to, that it gets to be, it's not going to be easy, but it gets to be simple, just like the program. Like it's not easy, but it's simple. It gets to be simple. It gets to be fun. It gets to be like how I want it to be, how I want to do it. Yep. That's it right there. It's making Mm -hmm. that decision on, I'm going to have it this way. I'm not going to be a victim of what society says or how I'm supposed to be. It's just, this is my world with my kids and my partner, and we're going to do it. I'm going to do it this way and showing up for it. That's what it sounds like. You're being absolutely 100% accountable. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, so cool. What do you, what's on your bookshelf these days? Actually, I just got in the mail, uh, codependent no more. And perfect daughters, which is a really, it's for, for, for daughters who grew up in an alcoholic home. This was just uh, recommended to me by a mentor of mine. And I'm also reading Michael J. Fox's newest uh, book that he came out with something that's not personal development driven, just interesting to read. Okay. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. I bet that is really good. It is. It really is. I never thought I would be into like books about people like, like real life people, but I read one of Howard Stern's books most recently. And I was like, this is actually really cool. And so I, I'm reading Michael J. Fox's I'm in the, I also listened recently to Matthew McConaughey's green lights, freaking phenomenal. Like, was it really? Yes. Listening. Cause you have to do the audio version. Okay. Yeah. I'm not an audio person normally, but it's him who reads the book. So it's like that much better. Okay. Now I'm going to get it. I wasn't going to get it. Oh yeah. It's just, it's a kick in the pants. Like it is so much fun to listen to him, read it. And just it's, it's a, it's an experience for sure. Beautiful. 
Do you think you're going to write a book? Yes, I know I am. I thousand percent. I started a book early in sobriety. It was a fiction book. I I lost it on a computer though, but I know that I have a book in me. Oh, that's that has happened to me. Oh, (laughs) I know that feeling. Oh my goodness. Katrina, what a blessing it is to connect with you and to hear about your sobriety. It's, you know, every path is so different and unique, but the one thing that we have in common is that we are mothers Mm. in recovery. Mm -hmm. Where can our listeners find you and follow you and perhaps even take you up on some coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite place to hang out is over on Instagram. You can find me at my name at Katrina Lelly. I'm in this. I love hanging out over there. Shoot me a DM. You can go to my website. It's katrinalelly.co and find me there or over on my podcast, the happy, purposeful and free podcast. You can go and binge all the episodes over there. Nice. Amazing. Ah, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor, such an honor to me that when I get brought on podcasts, because you're sharing your audience with me and, and to me, that's just one of the biggest honors ever. It's beautiful. You know, it's, it's the journey of sharing recovery. So another mom, another mother possibly can go. Yes. Mm-hmm. This, these are my people. I want to hang out with them. I want to be in their tribe. So, so good to have you on the show. Mama, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best mother you can be today. Take good care. Until next time. Hey, are you trying to overcome burnout? So many people are. You're not alone. And maybe you have perfectionism running through you and ruminating thoughts of how to do something. Maybe you avoid things. I don't know. It gets tricky the longer that we are in recovery. The good news is that I help women in recovery access the life they imagined through a practice of mindfulness. I have an eight-week program. Eight weeks. That's what it takes to change your life around where you can start living and thriving in your life, the life that you got sober for. If you're burnt out in your recovery and you need a tune-up, you want to try something else, check out the Mindful Safeguard. You can find out more information over at Recover Like a Mother. Get on the wait list. It's an eight-week program. It opens and closes, and I would love to have you participate because I know that you didn't get sober just to live in mediocrity. No, you got sober to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. All right, I hope to see you in there. Thanks again for listening to the show.